This message is provided by Bridgeway Community Church. Thanks for tuning in. Well, good morning, Bridgeway. It is great to see you here today. I want to warmly welcome you if we haven't had the chance to meet yet. My name is Ron, and I can see by looking out, you've all survived the snowpocalypse. Congratulations. Oh, so good to be back together. I missed you guys last weekend, and, uh, and I know today is really big because Lions fans, can I hear you in the room this morning? Oh, of course, of course, of course. Go Lions today. Super excited for that game as well. Uh, and just in general, excited this morning. I'm really looking forward to kicking off this brand new series with you today called Crossroads. I got to tell you, as a pastor, I probably get, que- get questions the most on the book of Revelation. And then next to the book of Revelation, I probably get asked the most, hey, pastor, what does that group of people believe? Uh, what does that religion uh, agree with us as Christians on? I get asked that all the time, and so I just thought it would be a really good idea to spend some time studying world religions. I honestly um, don't know a lot of churches that do this. I, I think, honestly, we should do more of this and talk about the intersection of the Christian faith with all the other worldviews that are out there today. I don't know if you've realized this, but to me, every day it becomes apparent that our world is getting smaller. I don't know if you feel this, but there are things like, well, globalization, right? I mean, the fact that you can work 24-7, probably from your couch, and not only that, but you can intersect with people all around the world uh, in the global environment that we have. We have things like telecommunications, advances in telecom uh, that allow you to actually talk to people all around the world, like live, like on FaceTime. In fact, um, I've got a daughter who's deployed uh, overseas right now. We can't know where she is with the Air Force. It would compromise her mission but we can FaceTime with her like every week. It's the craziest thing in the world, and you can likely do that as well. Not only that, we have things like travel. Um, I read this week uh, an article in Forbes that said we're actually approaching pre-pandemic levels of travel, like travel industry kind of took a hit during COVID. It is on the rise. In fact, the article in Forbes said that 49% of you, of Americans, are planning to travel this year. A lot, of, uh, a lot of them are global travel arrangements. Things like the Olympics coming up have got people excited to travel again. I would say very clearly, in our world, we are at a crossroads. And not just with globalization and business and telecom, we are at a crossroads of faith. In fact, if you look at the world today, there are some 4,000 religions estimated worldwide. And most of those religions are smaller and fragments, and they all tend to stem from five major world religions, Christianity being the largest, Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism, and the fastest-growing religion worldwide today is Islam. And a lot of these then, you used to be able to say, well, religions are sort of organized geographically. And so we would say that there are religions that are, well, they're Eastern religions, kind of panentheist views like Buddhism and Hinduism. And then you have, well, you know, Western religions like Christianity, Judaism, kind of the founding of of America, right, the Judeo-Christian world ethic. Um, And then offshoots of that, like Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses. And now you can't say that. In fact, it's very likely that today, if you went out to lunch, you would very likely bump into someone or strike up a conversation with someone 
who has a worldview different from the geography they live in. And maybe they hold multiple different world religions. We see that quite a bit today. In fact, I want to kind of encourage you in this series to kind of be maybe a little bit more keenly aware of what people say about God. I kind of call it like listening for like the God mentions. In fact, um, I see it all the time, and I'm seeing discerning people kind of ask, well, what do you mean when you say God? In fact, um, you can listen to interviews, you can listen to a Joe Rogan podcast, and very often, if he hears his guests say that they believe in God, Joe Rogan actually has a discernment to say, what do you mean? What God do you believe in? And by that, he'll ask the question, do you believe in Allah? Do you believe in Yahweh? Do you believe in the big man up in the sky? I mean, he's got enough discernment to ask questions like that of his listeners. And I think we can as well. In fact, when you look at the world and you see what's done in the name of God, you begin to, you begin to kind of piece together the fact that not all versions of God are the same. Add to that political unrest, add to that war, add to that things that are done in the name of religious violence. I was watching the news, uh, one of the headlines a few weeks ago, and if you saw this was um, a South Korean uh, political leader. He was in the middle of a talk, kind of in front of a group of people like I am right now, and someone came up behind him in the name of religion and stabbed this man in the neck. And it just kind of happens on a daily basis in our world. In fact, you add to it very polarizing topics like what's going on in Israel with Hamas, something that I plan to talk about uh, today as part of this message. And you can't help but ask, what in the name of God is actually going on in our world? And so I just thought it'd be really good for us to talk about this and then as a community actually begin to have a way in which we can respond to the world and to all the different faith systems that are out there. What I want to do today specifically and kind of what I'm, I'm beginning to kind of talk about is what we would call worldview. And worldview is something that just sort of answers the question, what do I believe? And it's kind of a, a basic or a core understanding of behind what I am, what is it that I actually hold to be real in my life. Now, worldview will oftentimes get mistaken for another word that you'll hear thrown around a lot called ideology. And there's a lot of ideologies out there, but ideology and worldview are actually very different. I mean, ideology is what you want the world to be. That would be the idealism. And a worldview is actually how it operates in real life. These are things that answer the question, what do I believe from your own collection of attitudes and values and stories and expectations and upbringings and faith backgrounds? All of that forms in you a worldview. Now, here's kind of the news flash this morning. You came to Bridgeway here today, and even if you didn't know what I was going to talk about, even if you've never heard the word worldview, I got a news flash for you. You have one. Every single person has a worldview. And if you claim to be a Christian, then you're ascribing to a Christian worldview. You might be here this morning, well, wait a minute, Pastor, I don't even, I don't even know what that means. I got questions about the Christian worldview. Good, you're in the right place because we hope to answer those here in this series. And not only do you have a worldview, but so does every other world religion. So every Muslim is walking around with a Muslim worldview, every Hindu with a Hindu worldview, so on and so forth. Even the atheist 
The person who claims there is no God or the skeptic who has their doubts about God, even that is an operating system, is a worldview of their beliefs. And so then that raises the question for you this morning, well, who's right? (laughs) And how do I know if my worldview actually is the truth to live by? And that's the journey that I want to go on for the next several weeks as a community. And I want this series to be not just a lecture or not just kind of a talking head up front. Um, I want this to actually address real issues that you deal with on a daily basis, questions you have about other world religions. I'm no expert, uh, but I do want in this series to actually uh, be of service to you with this. And I want to actually do something I've never done before. I'm going to open myself up to questions. Not live questions and answers, but if you find yourself with questions about other world religions, I I want you to take note of them and let us know. In fact, um, we have a place on our Bridgeway app where you can leave questions for this Crossroads series. And if you don't have the Bridgeway app, you should download it. Uh, Or, as Mike said in his announcements, you can just scan, I think he called it that cool little QR code. You can scan that QR code and on there you'll find a place uh, to drop your questions. I'm going to do my best uh, to try to answer those throughout the series or maybe even just individually with emails. So today what I want to do is just two things. Um, I want to, number one, just lay a foundation. If we're going to start to engage with other world religions, we need to understand why this is important and what the Christian worldview is. So one, I just want to scratch the surface and lay a foundation. And then secondly, I want to try to give you an example of why this is important. And I want to use um, something going on, kind of a current event going on in the Middle East that I think will hopefully bring some of this home for you this morning. So we're going to start with a foundation, and I'm going to give you a few things to prepare. If you're going to go out and have conversations with people of different faith backgrounds, first foundation, you might want to write this down, is to be prepared. In fact, if you were to go into anything, maybe new or different, you should get yourself prepared. If you were starting a new job, you would want to be prepared. If you were about to add a child to your family, you would want to be prepared. Prepare the nursery at least, right? I mean, you need to be prepared, and especially when it comes to your faith, you need to be prepared for the conversations that you're going to enter into. In fact, I have a verse for you. It's a great one from 1 Peter verse three, chapter 3, verse 15, where Peter writes, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Maybe the most important word on the screen right now is hope. We have hope in the Christian worldview. We have the hope of Jesus Christ and conquering all death in eternity. But to share that, We need to do this with gentleness and respect. We need to be gentle and respectful of all people when we share this faith. Now, I think there are just some resources that we need to kind of be uh, equipped with, and I I want to give you two of them this morning. If you're going to be prepared about what the Christian faith is, you need to read your Bible. You need to read God's Word. And I know we're, what is it, the second Friday in January is... I think they call it Quitter's Day. Whatever resolution you started, and I don't believe in resolutions. I'm, I'm more like build a good habit in your life and it'll never leave you. But, but you may have started a resolution or maybe you even started to build a habit of Bible reading and maybe 
well, the second Friday came and went and you've given up. And I, I want to encourage you this morning, you need God's word. And so begin to pick it back up. Maybe, uh, maybe read through the Bible in a year. Maybe pick a couple chapters and get started. But you need to know God's word. Now, that's one resource. And I might get some confusing looks on this one. But the next resource you need to have is not only one eye on the word of God. You need to also have one eye on what's going on in the world. And by that, um, I know this is where it gets kind of confusing because most of us get our information about the world through news. And if I tell you to watch the news, some of you immediately be like, wow, come on, pastor. News is all slant anyways, right? And, and you might associate news with just political parties and polarization. And, and I got to tell you this morning that while that's true to an extent, there's still a, still a level of truth in everything. And maybe you've got to dig a little bit deeper. Maybe you've got to go on news sources that are the opposite of what you're used to watching. And you need to begin to become informed. In fact, um, my wife and I, we kind of came across this really good news source called Atlas News. It's more global news in nature. But we just kind of made that a practice, just checking out what's going on there. We're not doom scrolling. We're not reading and watching every video they put out, but trying to kind of be uh, knowledgeable about what the world what in the world is going on. You need to go beyond memes and TikToks and reels. And actually, I think when you do that, you begin to see why our world needs hope. And then you need to be prepared to share that. Now, that might sound scary because if we dress that up, that looks like evangelism. And everyone's like, oh, I don't want to have to share my faith. And yet, I find evangelism to be really easy. Just tell someone why you have hope in Jesus Christ. And make it simple, make it direct, and don't back down from it. Just why is it that you have hope in Jesus Christ? I worked in uh, finance for a number of years, and I got to be honest with you, I, I loved working in that environment because I wasn't a pastor. I hadn't been to seminary. I didn't have any degrees. And, and yet I got to intersect with people of all different faith backgrounds. And of course, when I, I worked in this world, it kind of came out that I was a Christian. And, and of course, the one person that shared the office right next to me was very outgoing about the fact that he was an atheist. And he found out I was a Christian. He would kind of tease and, and kind of poke and prod at me and, and kind of say, oh, why do you believe in Jesus? And I just remember just one day just saying to him, I, I, I need a savior. And I, I want a faith that won't fall apart when the world does. Amen. And I don't know why I said that. I don't know why I came up with that. But it was about a year, maybe even a year and a half after that, that 9-11 hit. And if you remember 9-11, there was this incredible influx of people coming to faith. In fact, coming to Christianity specifically, churches were, were packed on Sunday. I mean, like, you couldn't find a parking spot. And there was this hunger for this knowledge of where a Savior could come from. And I remember this person, this coworker of mine, because we were working downtown. We were in one of the big, tall buildings. And, you know, of course, you know, planes flying into buildings. There's a lot of fear in that time. And I just remember him coming to me and just saying, hey, where did you say I should start with the Bible? And, and it just began this journey and this, this way. And I, I think it just all starts because we're prepared as followers of Jesus Christ to share that hope. That's the first thing. Second foundational truth that you need is, second foundation you need is to be truthful and loving. So interesting. Last year, 2023, the word of the year was Authentic. And I find that so fascinating because I think that's actually the opposite of what we experienced in 2023. If I had to pick a word for 2023, I would have, I don't know, picked deep fake, I don't know, or artificial intelligence, I don't know, like that would have been the word I would have chosen. 
And yet I think that's why authenticity is so sought after in our world. There's something kind of hardwired into our souls that we, we desire to know truth. And so we need truth, and we need to share that. And I think truth in love is not only good for when you're engaging with other people, just being truthful and loving is good for your own heart and your own soul. In fact, just in your own heart and soul, it will guard you against two big cliffs. In fact, uh, I've shared before from the stage, the older I get, the less I like heights. I just, I don't know what my deal is. I just, I can't handle them. In fact, this was a few years ago. We were at uh, Zion um, out in Utah, and we got to one climb. I just couldn't do it. This is called Angel's Landing. I think because you need an angel to pick you up and put you on the top of Angel's Landing. And if it was all like this, where there's a chain that goes all the way to the top and a real nice path to follow, I'm all in. But we got to the end of the chain section. There were no more chains after this part. In fact, up at the top, it's about as wide as a skateboard. That's about all that you're dealing with. It is sure and certain death on either side of this cliff. And I think of this picture, and I think about how truth and love guards us against falling off a cliff like this. See, if you don't have truth, then you'll fall off the cliff of deception. If you don't know the truth of God, you will easily be deceived by other people. And the other side of the cliff is just as dangerous. Because if you don't have love, you will become very judgmental of people. And let me just translate the word judgmental to you. Um, I've met many Christians that have shared the truth of God without the love of God, and they come across as just jerks to the people around them. And I don't know about you, but that's kind of like a, a low-bar life goal, right? I, I don't want to be deceived, and I don't want to be a jerk. I want to be truth, and I want to be loved to the people around us. And I think we can all do that. In fact, I've got a great verse for you. It's Romans 12 Verse 18, I love these words from Paul, so practical. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, oh, it usually is, as far as it depends on you, you got to come to the table, live at peace with everyone. Can you just imagine? I mean, just look around this room for a moment. I mean, can you imagine if everyone in this room just lived out this verse? I don't know, with their family, with their friends, driving down the road and kind of sketchy weather, right? Like, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone online and the communities we engage in, in the world with the people who might not have the same views that we have, to live at peace with everyone. One last foundational piece to have. Not only do we need to be prepared and truthful and loving, but we need to know what we believe. Know what you believe. In fact, that's kind of the whole uh, emphasis of this series is to, to put some steel in your spiritual spines and to form this worldview. And actually, my hope in this series is that you would walk away from five, six weeks of studying all these other religions, and you would be convinced without a shadow of a doubt that you know what you believe, and you know that the Christian worldview, that there is nothing else like it, all fail and fall in comparison to the Christian worldview. And this is where things get a little more tense in the conversation. Because I get it. Some of you are out there like, come on, pastor, lighten up a little bit, right? I mean, there's billions of people in the world. I mean, just let people believe what they want. And if they believe the wrong thing, then, then that's on them, right? Like, 
come on, lighten up. And, and you might end up in these conversations. Why do, you, why do you care so much about what I believe? Someone could easily ask you that. And, and I want to give you kind of a response to that, um, one that's kind of like theological in nature. And then I want to give you kind of this practical way of looking at the world. Let me, let me give you kind of this practical response while we can't just say, well, it doesn't matter what you believe. It's okay if you believe what you believe. And I'll try to explain this the way it was explained to me in seminary. If you go to seminary, the very first class you take is, is worldview. And kind of the classic argument that's made, kind of the classic example that's given about how all these paths are not the same is kind of told in this parable. It's, I didn't make this up. This is classical. It kind of, it's told about this elephant and what it would be like if six blind men were to come and to meet this elephant for the very first time, they can't see, and they were to try and explain to you what this elephant is like. And you can imagine, one of the blind men handles the tail of the elephant. Probably not the best side of the elephant to be on, if you ask me. But he explains that, oh, the elephant is like a rope. And as soon as he says that, another one of the blind men says, no, 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 no. An elephant is more like a tree trunk, tree trunk because he's touching the leg. And at the same time, uh, another blind man says, no, 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 the elephant is more like a weapon because he's up around the spear, up around the tusk of the elephant. And on and on this goes, each one having kind of their own view because each one only feels a small portion of the whole elephant. And so all six men give different descriptions of their experience and no one can really say who's right or who's wrong. They're all correct in their own way. And what this teases out is the false view of universalism. Now, notice I got a gigantic X through this. This is a false view. The idea that all pathways lead to God. And here's why this is false. Even though someone may think this, all paths lead to God, there isn't a single faith system that holds as its core beliefs all pathways lead to God. There isn't one of them. And so it doesn't pass the integrity test of Christianity, of Buddhism, of Hinduism, of none of them. And so none of them claim that you can operate that way. Someone may believe it, but the core basic truth does not support it. And this is what I love about Jesus. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Have you ever wondered why so many times in scriptures Jesus heals someone that's blind? And I think it has to do with this. It has to do with Jesus' desire to give us sight. And there is more than just physical blindness. There is spiritual blindness going on in our world. And it brings me back to this incredible verse. It's the very first sermon that Jesus gives in Luke chapter 4. Notice what he says in his very first sermon in verse 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. See, Jesus comes into the world and he, he says, it's, it's no longer good for you to have this view where you're just blindfolded. Let me give you a recovery of sight into the spiritual realm so that you can see the truth and so that you can walk in the truth. Jesus says, when you know the truth, the truth has set you free. And that's what Jesus has come to do. That's the theological reason. Universalism fails in every regards the worldview test of integrity. Now, I wanted to give you a practical reason 
why this um, kind of operates as well. And part of this is very personal to me because uh, back in uh, November, I was hoping to travel uh, to Iraq to be with one of our world, uh, to be with one of our partners, World Orphans. And uh, you might know Randy Phillips. I was looking forward to traveling with Randy to visit uh, World Orphans and the uh, refugee crisis that we support there here at Bridgeway. You're part of supporting um, this mission here. And very different mission trip because unlike other trips where you go to a region and you share your Christian faith or you, you build a home or you do a, a restoration project, this project was going to be very kind of covert in nature. I was going in just to listen and learn from Muslims. And I was so excited to go on this trip, kind of an immersive experience uh, into the life of everyday Muslims. And, and the trip got canceled because if you've watched the news at all recently, the area uh, in that region, in, in the entire Middle East, has been extremely hot, to say the least. Uh, not only tensions between Iraq and Iran, if you followed the news this week, there were missiles that were being shot off between Iran and Pakistan. That's kind of a new one, kind of a new fight uh, that just started. There's the Houthis taking over ships out of Yemen. There's Hezbollah up in Lebanon. There's just kind of this ongoing issue with Russia and the Ukraine. And oh, and probably most dynamic is the war that just restarted between Israel and Palestine. And I know these are a lot of current events. In fact, I could take any one of these and try to explain this practical aspect of the message. But I want to use just one. I want to use the Israel-Palestine conflict because I think it serves as a great example of what happens when worldviews collide. And it's my belief that when you leave worldviews next to each other and they get very close for any length of time, they will eventually come in conflict with one another. And Probably no better example is what's going on with Israel and Palestine. I know this map is incredibly busy, and I'll leave it up here for a moment, uh, and I'll try to explain this. In fact, let me kind of just ask you the question, as a Christian, coming today to learn about world religions, if, if someone were to ask you today, hey, you're a Christian, what's going on in the Middle East? How would you answer? If you're a Christian this morning and someone were to say to you, hey, kind of that whole Hamas thing, I mean, whose side are you on? Are you for Hamas or are you for Israel? How would you respond? If someone were to say to you, hey, you're a follower of Jesus, uh, doesn't Jesus have a lot to say about Israel? Didn't he come from that region? Again, you can see there's all these parallels to our Christian faith. And again, it's super complex, but this whole issue is about as old as dirt. This kind of shows you where these worldviews collide. In fact, uh, there are three worldviews at play here. There's your Christian worldview, but there's also the worldview of the Jews, the Israelites, as well as Muslims, Palestinians. And what's fascinating is all three of those worldviews trace their roots in the Bible back to a man named Abraham. You know the song, right? Father Abraham had many sons. Well, that kind of all starts this, this division of religions. In fact, you can read about it this afternoon. I'd encourage you, lions aren't on until 3 o'clock. Maybe sit back this afternoon, start in Genesis chapter 16, and you'll meet this man, Abraham. He has a very long life, lots and lots of chapters devoted to him. He's far from perfect, but he does become the father of these nations, in fact, if you know the story, he's promised this, this gigantic family, but he's very old. In fact, 
He doesn't have a child, and his wife, Sarah, gets very impatient. So she says, here, sleep with my slave woman, Hagar. And Abram doesn't, doesn't deny that opportunity, and he has, through Hagar, a son named Ishmael. Now, you can do the work. I've already done it for you. But you can trace the lineage of the Palestinians, the Arabs, the Muslim nation, all the way back to Ishmael. Now, later, God does promise that he would have a son through Sarah, and he does. When Sarah's at the age of 90 years old, she gives birth to her son, Isaac. And Isaac would later on be the father of all the Israelite people. And yet in their life, Ishmael and Isaac are in great conflict with one another. I'll take it one more family generation. Isaac later has two sons, Esau and Jacob. Esau loses his birthright, and he goes to Ishmael and marries one of his daughters, becomes the clan of the Edomites, who are also Palestinians, who are Arabs, who are Muslims. And then you have Jacob, who continues the line of Israel. I'll take it one step further. Jesus, born in the line of David, an Israelite, tracing his way all the way back to Isaac. Do you remember there was one person that's kind of out to get baby Jesus when he's born? In fact, issues a decree that all the children two years and under should be killed. King Herod, King Herod traces his line all the way back through this lineage of Ishmael and Esau. What I'm saying to you this morning, whether it's Ishmael and Isaac, Esau and Jacob, Herod and Jesus, this conflict goes on and on. And it's just kind of been reunited today. In fact, in this region, it's extremely hot. The Gaza Strip, this area, is a very small region. It's only about 140 square miles. All of Israel would fit inside the state of New Jersey. And you can see the pink is Palestinian control. The blue is Israeli control. And I'll explain it very simply. Israel more than anything, just wants to have their own nation and to live at peace. And Palestine and every Arab nation that supports Palestine will not allow, will not recognize Israel as a state. And they had been at peace for the last 50 years. In fact, the last war between pink and blue, Palestinian and Israeli, was 50 years ago. It ended on October 6, 1973, the Yom Kippur War. And for 50 years, they were at peace until... October 7th, 2023, just a couple months ago, Hamas, Palestine, Hamas is the terrorist group inside of Palestine, attacked Israel and killed over 1,400 innocent men, women, and children, primarily Jewish people, God's people. And it's very troubling, and if you watch the news, you'll see riots today because Israel is in what we would call a double bind. If they don't attack back and defend themselves, they will be destroyed. The charter mission of Hamas, you can look it up, is to destroy the Jews. That's their mode. But if they do strike back, Hamas has a very different view of human life, and they have buried themselves in tunnels underneath mosques and schools and churches. And so when Israel strikes back, there are civilian losses, which if you watch the news, there were huge riots in both England and France, primarily Muslim countries, uh, over the defense of Palestine. What I'm saying to you this morning is this is as old as, as what the Bible would claim, these beginnings of faiths. And I know this doesn't sound like a very hopeful way to end the message, but I want to show you that God 
is always at work. And I, I believe in my time and praying and just seeking God, God is still at work even in this region now. In fact, I read a fascinating book kind of with the snow, snow last week. I had a little more time to prep, and I read a great book I'd highly recommend called Son of Hamas. It's a story of a, of a young man who came out of Hamas, came out of this terrorist group, and it was all because he was in prison reading the Quran, and some Christians encouraged him to read the Bible. And he ends up converting to Christianity, and he writes this about what he's seen in his life as part of Hamas. He says, there was too much blood. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I didn't see it just through the eyes of a Muslim or a Palestinian. I watched the mindless killing through the eyes of Jesus, who agonized for those who were lost. The more I read the Bible, the more clearly I saw the single truth. Loving and forgiving one's enemies is the only real way to stop the bloodshed. I believe there is hope, and I believe there are opportunities for us to not only be praying for this region, but as we're doing in this series, to just become more knowledgeable and more educated. Come back next week, and we're going to take a deep dive into Islam, and uh, we'll make that our subject next week. But I want to just close us in a time of prayer as Eli and the team leads us. So if you would bow your heads and pray with me, please. God, this topic is super complex and confusing and this morning, God, I pray that you would just bring your truth as this quote says, that it's the perfect love and forgiveness of Jesus that covers over and washes away all of this bloodshed. So God, with two million people in this region of war, Palestinians and Jews, they all need Jesus. And God, we want to intercede on their behalf and lift them up we want to lift up Christians worldwide that feel the intensity of this persecution while we're thousands of miles away. And we want to pray, God, that you would do your work, that your kingdom would come even into the darkness of places like this. So we sing to you now, believing with all hope of the God who works. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Check out our app or website at bridgewaycommunity.org for more messages or to take the sermon one step deeper by downloading the Sermon Discussion Guide.